The AI Tipping Point podcast is brought to you by Worldwide Technology, NVIDIA, and NetApp, and produced by Government Executive Media Group's Studio 2G. Cloud data and other tools help set the stage for artificial intelligence and 5G. With more tech on the horizon, 2020 is set to be the biggest year yet for AI. In order to pave the way forward and fully embrace secure, revolutionary AI, government and IT leaders will need to lean on trusted partners and tools. Partners like Worldwide Technology, NVIDIA, and NetApp are here to help, offering guidance, support, and secure solutions for every part of your AI journey. Connect with our experts, access our research, and explore our labs. Join our platform at www.t.com. Welcome to the AI Tipping Point, a podcast from Government Executive Media Group Studio 2G in collaboration with NVIDIA, NetApp, and WWT that aims to answer the question, if 2019 was a tipping point for AI, then what's ahead? I'm your host, Constance Sayers, the president of Government Executive Media Group. On today's episode, we're digging into what it takes to truly embed artificial intelligence tools and assessments into government operations. When it comes to integrating any emerging technology into existing operations, leaders are often met with a mixture of excitement and hesitancy from their staff. Now that AI has begun to trickle into workflows, how can agency leaders ensure the technology is integrated securely and efficiently into existing infrastructure, both technological and human? To help answer the question, I have several guests here with me in the studio today. Jamie Milne, Senior Engagement Manager at Worldwide Technology, who has worked for many years on applying predictive analytics, big data, and AI at large in the business and government worlds. We're also joined by two members of the U.S. Secret Service, Jonah Hill, Senior Cyber Policy Advisor, and Ryan Moore, Assistant Special Agent in Charge. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So let's hit the ground running. The podcast uh, series, we're looking at the idea that if 2019 was the tipping point for AI and IT modernization, what does that mean for 2020? So can you all talk about your experiences with AI and modernization so far and just walk us through what you're seeing coming down the pike in 2020? Jamie, I'll start with you. Yeah, thank you. So I think specifically around algorithms, what we're seeing, we've seen a lot of natural language processing in the last year, kind of traditionally advanced analytics really being applied to sort of sensor data, really machine-readable data. Then kind of commercially in, in sort of marketing space, self-driverless cars and video and image analysis mm-hmm. kind of seem to come to the fore. I think a lot, of, a lot of organizations realize that they don't necessarily have a lot of images or, or have use cases that are really the attack we, can really be addressed with with image or video analysis. Mm-hmm. But the, just the, the amount of text data within an organization that's both kind of at the back end. So if you think about kind of enterprise processes and uh, support functions of business, but then also forward facing with, with customers or whoever your, your stakeholders are in, in, your, in your organization, there's a whole wealth of use cases that can be addressed using natural language processing. There's a lot of recent developments in, in the algorithms that there are you know, used to, to address those kind of NLP problems. So really seeing that as, as being a big focus of, of the last year, and we see a lot of, lot of growth with that for, for 2020. I think we're just kind of scratching the surface with some of the, some of the impact that NLP can have. I think also that kind of, uh, you know, the NLP kind of mimics a little bit of microcosm of, of AI in general, where we've seen the last couple of years more advanced analytics, right? It used to be called big data, then it was called AI, mm-hmm. now we're getting into more specific terms or machine learning and deep learning. We're seeing a lot of organizations kind of grow up 
as in their in their use of of advanced analytics, and not just move from from projects and programs, but then really truly becoming data driven organizations and trying to deal with the implications of that. How to structure their their organization? How to structure their processes? How to structure their decision making around the use of data and the application of advanced mm-hmm. analytics? Great, uh, Ryan. What are you thoughts from you? Uh, well, I think uh, for artificial intelligence going forward for the Secret Service, we're looking at it as a way to start to surface uh, decision points that we would not have uh, necessarily seen in, in the, the amount of data that we have to sift through. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to, to find greater efficiencies in our operations in that regard. And definitely, like, what data you have to keep, what data you, you know, and just as we store more and more data and, like, what's relevant and how do we store it and all those concerns. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Jonah? Any thoughts from you on, you know, kind of maybe what's ahead or what you've seen? Yeah. So um, unlike uh, the two other guests here, uh, I'm really not focused on AI uh, in terms of being applied to IT systems Mm -hmm. or integrated into operations. What I really look at um, is how emerging technologies like AI um, are being addressed globally, are being addressed within the U.S. government uh, at an interagency level. Um, what are the kinds of preparations that the Secret Service at a policy level um, should be considering uh, you know, as we look to the future, as these technologies really start to advance? Um, so with respect to AI, you know, there's a ton of work being done across the U.S. government, globally, by industry, um, multi-stakeholder, public-private partnerships, um, addressing some of the sort of broader uh, challenges of AI. I think that's going to continue and really kind of accelerate uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, I think we're really just in the early stages at this stage. Um, and that's great. And I'm going to, you know, turn to, to Jamie here. You know, how has adoption, I mean, you've worked in this field for a long time. Mm-hmm. How has adoption changed in the last few years? And what typically are the hurdles that you see for adoption uh, in terms of both infrastructure and cultural boundaries, which I think are very important? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, cultural Barriers are, are, are maybe even more significant mm-hmm. than some of the infrastructure, especially today, as we've seen, you know, vast in- increases in, in the performance and availability of, of GPUs and FPGAs and other uh, advanced kind of compute resources that can handle parallel processing and, and really handle the you know large amount of of fast moving complex data. Uh, you know, coupled with the availability of cloud resources and, and not just the scale that those present, but also the ability to leverage more and more different types of tools and, and leverage more and more niche use, case, use cases or, or you know, apply certain pieces of software to, to be, that have already kind of been proven and, and tested to, to each use case. So there's, there's certainly still challenges there, especially within the federal government and the constructs of, of applying those and, and making sure that those are uh, fit within the government framework. And some folks are, are, are addressing that. I think from an infrastructure standpoint, it's almost the data challenge is kind of the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily having data. Federal government certainly has a lot of, of data, and, and that can be that can be a good thing. But it can also be very challenging to to mine that data and really make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So to be able to apply structure, to be able to, to in some way, shape, or form apply some kind of machine to be able to read and understand and present that data mm-hmm. in a meaningful way, I think is potentially a bigger challenge necessarily in the infrastructure. But, but the cultural point is 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 really something that I think we, we face on a, on a day-to-day basis. I think there's kind of two ends of the spectrum. One is there's a sort of aura and kind of mysticism around AI that everything is this kind of 
minority report type, we're going to be able to take a very little piece of data and, and automatically be able to predict everything and, and uh, every eventuality and decide what's going to happen. There's really like gradations of, mm-hmm. of how to be able to solve a problem. So it's so, not what Hollywood has made us think. It I is. mean, it can be. <laughs> it can be. And there's certainly parts of the government and parts of, of uh, commercial organizations yeah. that, that do that. And, and it's great. But there's, there's many different ways to, to solve these challenges. It seems to go sometimes with customers, it seems to go from elementary math to that kind of minority report with deep mm-hmm. neural nets and, and image processing and video analytics. And there seems to be very little appreciation for what goes on in between, mm-hmm. which can often be much more easy to understand, much more easy to implement, much more easy to deal with kind of the ethical and, and operational uh you know, implications of by just by using kind of a more established or maybe simpler model that may be almost as performant, maybe not just just not quite as performant, but will have, you know, is much more easy to uh, be adopted and mm-hmm. accepted by, by the workforce, the organization, therefore becomes more acceptable. So being able to address and have those kind of meaningful cultural conversations around how to, how to you know, think, uh, you know, intelligently about how to apply analytics and not just chasing the, the right. you know, unicorns and rainbows and, and all the, the Hollywood type stuff that you mentioned around AI is, is a kind of cultural shift that we, we, we see that we have to work to, to get to. The other, you know, the other end of the spectrum of that is it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all of the, uh, all of the analytics kind of frameworks and the, the ways in which we, Think about the rigor and discipline that you need to apply to any project, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, almost every project or decision involves data in some way, shape, or form. That rigor and discipline and, and the, the way in which we think about adding value in, mm-hmm. and whatever in KPIs or whatever metrics we're trying to address still applies mm-hmm. whether you're, you're, you know, whichever type of algorithm you're, you're putting in there. So we had, a, we had a, uh, a commercial customer who talked about their AI program and they had the standard things, you know, we're not dealing with millions of rows, billions of rows. We're not mm-hmm. dealing with yesterday. We're dealing with the, the here and now. It's kind of standard, uh, you know, AI definitions. But one of the things w- that they had down below is this is still the same real work. It's still yeah. the same uh, improvements that we're seeing in the operations. And, and that's that kind of sensible approach to applying this kind of technology is is sometimes difficult to get over. And I think that's kind of some of the cultural barriers that we, we try to break down. That's great. That's great. Jonah, I'm going to turn to you. Prior to joining the Secret Service, you served as a policy specialist in the U.S. Department of Commerce, NTIA, working global technology policy matters, and that included cross-border data flows, digital trade, and internet governance. So can you speak a little bit to your recent work around cyber policy and you know, how has emerging technology like AI influenced intergovernmental issues or internal strategy around cybersecurity? Um, so, yeah, a few questions there. Uh, I'll start a little bit with um, my work prior to joining the Secret Service at the Department of Commerce. Um, you know, the Department of Commerce and the Secret Service have pretty distinct uh, and divergent missions. Um, but what sort of unites them is that they both are dealing with emerging technology issues in a variety of ways. Um, at the Department of Commerce, the, the goal really was to uh, advocate for and to create an environment in which uh, the U.S. economy could thrive. Um, and that really 
for NTIA, which is the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, uh, was focused on telecommunications technology, ICT technology, um, and a variety of other technology issues. Um, so what my role there was, was to work in a variety of international settings, both bilaterally, multilaterally, and as part of uh, international institutions uh, to develop um, international policy environment that was um, supportive of a innovative economy globally and a competitive U.S. economy um, uh, for American companies, American products, uh, and American services. So, uh, you know, there, I did that in a few different places. Um, one place that was particularly important was the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, which is based in Paris. Um, it's an organization that was developed after World War II to really um, harmonize um, the member states, which really sort of is comprised of um, developed economies, um, to harmonize member states' approaches to economic development, um, to trade at some level, um, really to kind of set a baseline understanding of, of statistics and research that could be used by all the member states and best practices that could use be all the, by, by all the member states um, in their own domestic uh, policymaking. So what that means is, um, you know, the OECD is constantly putting out research and best practices on a number of things. Um, recently in 2019, they released uh, their guidelines for AI, um, which, you know, it's not really specific to how AI can be best used, but what are some of the considerations that governments need to uh, take into account um, as they're formulating AI policy, developing law, um, setting regulations? Um, and, you know, they're pretty high level, but what they can provide is sort of some, um, you know, guide rails for policymakers as they think about AI issues. So and we're kind of in uncharted territory here, so it's very exactly. important. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there is a rush often to regulate technology in a way that uh, can really hamper innovation. Um, and so what these kind of principles do is to kind of allow um, policymakers, government officials to take a step back and say, all right, what are the things that we need to really think about? What are our priorities um, as we start to think about regulatory and other legislative um reactions to new tech. And I think um, what the OECD does and what the Department of Commerce did, especially National uh, Institute of Science and Technology, NIST, um, is to kind of um, provide that, um, you know, sort of the, the structure for thinking about moving forward um, through dialogue with industry, academia, and government all coming together um, to figure out what are the things that should be priorities? So, for instance, in the OECD, you know, they say that AI should benefit people on the planet by driving inclusive growth, sustainable development, and well-being. AI should be designed in a way that respects the rule of law. Um, there should be transparency and responsible disclosure around AI systems so that people really can understand AI-based outcomes and can challenge them if they um, think that there's somehow um, some unfairness in there. Um, uh, AI systems should be secure um, and continually assessed and managed, and organizations should um, 
and individuals developing or deploying AI should really be held accountable for the proper functioning um, of those systems. So, you know, these these aren't, it's not rocket science. It's not, you know, it's it's really just kind of a values-based approach to policymaking. Ryan, you've been at the Secret Service now for almost 18 years in a variety of roles. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in your current role and how has your experience in other roles across the service helped shape your ability to desire to integrate AI and emerging tech into the operations and workflow or or enterprise workflow? Absolutely. So um, my current role, I'm the acting deputy chief information officer, and I've served in a variety of investigative roles um, uh, that include our electronic crimes task forces, um, leading teams out at uh, Carnegie Mellon, our, our CERT uh, uh, program. And those the experiences have both on the investigative side as well as uh, now on the enterprise side have really kind of shaped my idea of the value of, of artificial intelligence, whether it's natural language processing or machine learning, to start to look at some of the some of the, the harder problems of pattern recognition, um, things that we could free up uh, human t- cycle time and put those loads on on our, our infrastructure to do. Um, I think uh, I think the one of the most important things that we we, tip, we look at, whatever technology we do select, has to fit our our security model as well as our privacy uh, protection model. Uh, we take both of those very seriously, uh, and uh, so whatever uh, technology that does kind of emerge that can potentially leverage on the enterprise or on our operational side, it still has to has to fit within those constraints. Um, I think there are some some unique challenges in in implementing uh, artificial intelligence, especially from an infrastructure perspective. They're they're uh, looking at what infra, what type of infrastructure it takes to support this. If it's something that we can do internally, if we have to then expand to an external provider to do mm-hmm. so, there's some significant financial considerations. Not well beyond just selecting a, a technology that will. Uh, assist our operations, uh, providing the infrastructure and resources to make it sustainable, to make sure that whatever capability we do develop continues on uh, well past that first, second, third year Mm -hmm. of of use. Can you talk a little bit about how AI currently is being used enterprise-wide by Secret Service? So at the enterprise level, we're we're looking at um, AI. Like a good example is our our cybersecurity tools. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can uh, you'll be faced with a, a problem that you have uh, never seen before, and, mm-hmm. and and certain technologies within artificial intelligence um, do an excellent job of uh, helping us identify something that we may not have a specific rule in a in a rules engine to, to fire mm-hmm. on. Um, so that that's certainly one construct, and, and we looked at uh, we have an immense amount of enterprise data, whether it's financial data um, or the, you know, the, the data that literally every company, every business would typically have, that we are starting to look for opportunities to generate greater insights so we can achieve some greater uh, cost efficiencies mm-hmm. with our own, uh, within our own mm-hmm. operations. That's great. Um, and Jamie, so you recently uh, wrote a blog post promoting a use case approach to AI. Um, and I, I think one of the things that you kind of identified there was, you know, identifying uh, operational pain points as, as a good starting point. I know from uh, any of these technologies, I mean, the, the years that I have moderated, you know, many of these panels and, and now podcasts, uh, a lot of folks just don't know where to begin. You know, it's just so overwhelming that agencies, you know, will say to us, we just don't know where to start with this. So how can government agencies make uh, use of cases like the Secret Services to jumpstart AI practices and promote good data governance? Like, where do they start? Yeah, in terms of, of starting with, with AI, just start with the mission. 
think about what's going to be most impactful for for my mission, either to be able to support folks on, in the front office that are are directly linked to whatever that mission or or, or goal is. If you're uh, on a commercial on the commercial side, and really tying back, okay, what's what's really important to us? What's going to move us forward in, in the future? Really, because try to look at those projects as you know mission projects that, that leverage AI. We're, we're lucky to be in this in this part of uh, history where we can take immense amounts of data and make sense of them and use them to make better decisions. AI is really just a, a means to an end to 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 perform your your mission better. And it's really to start to think about your use cases in the way of here's what we're trying to do with the mission. Here's what we're trying to do with our organization. And, and AI and, and analytics are just tools that we're going to leverage to be able to to push that forward. Is really keeps you grounded in in what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not to say you know there's not immense value in looking at the, the huge amounts of data and being able to process them quickly and effectively to to deliver better insights. Mm-hmm. But you really got to think about projects in, in terms of of the the mission of the organization, in terms of, of governance and and how you better better you know continue to to innovate and continue to spur more growth. I think one of the things. We were talking about earlier, uh, just before we, we got started, was kind of the double-edged sword of, of AI. So we talk about AI and all this great thing, but there's a lot of kind of hyperbole that, that comes with it and, and potentially kind of false promises of what, what AI can do. What we try to do is try to leverage, you know, leverage the best parts of, of the excitement around AI to address topics like data governance and management. Mm-hmm. So data governance and management, not a very marketable Term, right, but it's really kind of the unsung hero of, of all our projects. If I, look, if I look across the projects where we've had the greatest success and, and the organizations who are really, you know, at the far ends of, of the spectrum in terms of how well they're implementing AI and their maturity in, in using advanced analytics, the foundation is built in that data governance and management piece. So if the data is no good, the the analytics are not going to be. If you don't have enough data, if you have to, you know, exactly. right? Yeah, and, and and how do you how do you scale that? So right. if you think about solving your problem, so, so to take Ryan's example of cybersecurity, there's a lot of information contained typically within those kind of cyber cybersecurity AI projects. So if you think around uh, IT monitoring or or other operational constructs, they'll be using potentially those same types of data sources. So as you build out a use case in a specific domain like cybersecurity, you should try and, and uh, as you continue to innovate, make sure that you're structuring your process, structuring your data in a way that captures really what's going on uh, in the environment, not just what's going on from a cybersecurity mm-hmm. point of view. Because then you can start to leverage that data for, for many other use cases by structuring it in, in a way that's really you know, representative to capture the environment rather than like fits into a specific tool or not. So that's where we try to, you know, go have sustained scalable growth is by not just focusing on, on you know, focus on a use case is great, but make sure you're, you're delivering uh, that project. You're trying to shape the data in a way that can potentially be used and leveraged for, for other applications mm-hmm. in the future. Okay, so we uh, 
we just were talking about data. I'm going to turn to, to Ryan here. So, I mean, all AI starts with data. So what are some of the issues that are popping up around data and, and how it's used and controlled? Love to have some of your experiences around this. So I, I really would love to come and echo what Jamie had mentioned about data governance. The Secret Service has a chief data officer, chief data architect, and exactly what uh, Jamie described is, is what we are pursuing to ensure that we have the highest quality, highest integrity data possible. So when we start to leverage these uh, types of technologies, we are going to get meaningful results that that actually are going to lead to better decisions. And it really does start all with uh, data governance. And in terms of where the, the Secret Service would like to go with, with artificial intelligence, in the most broad sense, I think I think we're open to almost any idea of what if, if it can generate some efficiencies uh, for the agency. Where we are thinking about it today, though, is, is that we're challenging the, each of our teams to first uh, have a deep, deep understanding of the business problem you're trying to solve and then develop an understanding of the artificial intelligence technology or approach you're seeking to apply to it. Um, without those two uh, pieces in place, it really won't be able to actually get the res- desired results, um, especially when we look at some of our processes that require uh, uh, a traceability of how the decision was made. So we don't necessarily look at artificial intelligence to supplant a human decision maker. We look at that as, as the ability to provide the decision maker uh, greater context, uh, better decision points, um, a, a more detailed view of uh, the context they're looking at, uh, the problem they're trying to solve. But ultimately, uh, there are some decisions that, uh, we, whether it's something that may appear in a court of law or um, it could be part of an audit, that we have to demonstrate that we can uh, have a traceability of how the decision was made and, the, and an individual or a person who is actually accountable for the decision. That's typically the expectation of, of, of all government agencies. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you know, integrating, uh, you know, AI into your agency. I think one of the important things is you are um, Deputy Chief Information Officer. And so um, I think one of the things is how is the Chief um, Data Officer working with you? I mean, that's definitely been a newer creative position in some of the agencies. And so how has that role kind of, you know, helped, enhanced, uh, you, you know, the, the integration of AI? Well, we looked at the chief data officer uh, as well as our chief data architect to be both strategic and operational. So our chief data officer works in our office of strategic planning and he is deeply involved in the uh, strategic uh, plan for the organization and has a visibility of all of our different directorates and teams of of what their objectives are. Our chief data architect works within uh, the CIO's office and has deep domain level knowledge of the enterprise tools and uh, data structures that we have in place to uh, to manage our current data. Um, and so we would, our agency is trying to approach it from both different, both directions to establish data governance across the enterprise. Yeah. And, and, and Ryan, what are you looking, you know, kind of looking ahead, what is the Secret Service looking to do in terms of future applications of AI? We would, ideally, uh, we really like, would like to see uh, artificial intelligence, whether it's machine learning or natural language processing, to trying to solve some of our our enterprise problems. For example, can we can we translate uh, or can we can we convert uh, voice to text mm-hmm. to support our help desk to create greater efficiencies on our IT service mm-hmm. desk? Can we uh, leverage AI to generate greater insights out of our financial data to make uh, more strategic uh, financial decisions? Great, that's great. Uh, and John, inevitably, policy is going to need to evolve. 
um, as technology and circumstances change. How do you expect public policy to change over time? Um, you know, I think uh, what's one nice thing about AI policy generally is that um, I think there's a bipartisan consensus that a lot of work needs to be done and a lot of work needs to be done to um, foster an innovative, uh, you know, responsible AI environment. Um, both the Obama administration and the Trump administration um, have put forward uh, executive orders on AI policy, um, and they really sort of stressed the same issues, um, whether it was investing in AI research, R&D, um, really sort of making federal data available to the public and to industry for uh, AI, additional AI research and applications, um, setting standards uh, that you know, non-binding standards for industry to follow so that you can have some harmonization of AI products and services, um, developing a, a, a workforce that is trained in the kinds of technologies and, um, and computing uh, approaches that you would need uh, to work in AI and really to engage with the international community on the kinds of things that I mentioned earlier um, at the OECD, at the ITU, at the IEEE, at these organizations that really kind of um, set the frameworks um, that governments uh, can follow as they sort of think about the challenges and opportunities that AI presents. Um, yeah. So I think uh, a lot's going to change. It's not going to move, at least in a policy front, as quickly as maybe people in industry might want, but I think that's actually probably preferable because um, you really don't want to screw it up, mm -hmm. right? You really want to make sure that um, there's a general consensus among, um, you know, domestically and internationally about the best path forward. Um, and I don't, it's important not to rush to regulation uh, or rush to, to um, do something that would dramatically change the um, AI ecosystem um, so that you would lose some of the potential benefits. I think at the Secret Service, we're really trying to make sure that um, you know, we are engaged in those discussions and that the mission of the Secret Service, which is to protect the president um, and uh, other protectees and to invest uh, or to investigate um, financial crimes and cyber crimes, that we're able to use AI in those situations mm -hmm. in a way that's consistent with law and that is ethical and that is uh, effective. You know, uh, one thing uh, I think that Jonah brings up, and, and this is something that we really haven't talked about, but it always comes back to workforce. And I'd love to talk with, you know, with Jamie and Ryan. I mean, how do you, I mean, workforce is, is certainly, I mean, you have, feel like you have the workforce uh, needed to, with, with the skills to, to, you know, to implement the mission for around AI. It'd be interesting to kind of see, you know, what you both think in terms of, of workforce. Well, I, I think that, that, the federal workforce, uh, there, there are any, there's an, any number of, of personnel who have some level of expertise in implementing similar technologies. Mm -hmm. However, we do recognize that uh, the pace of innovation sometimes uh, can outpace the development of those skills, and so you then you look for strategic partners to bring those types of skills in to handle a discrete issue uh, that you need to uh, solve. Yeah, that's that's great. And, and, and Jamie, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah. I, all things always come back to workforce. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think there's, you know, some, been some recent developments in 
actually using AI to, to manage your workforce and manage your, t- your talent pipeline, be able to look at you know, one of the classic AI ML stories of the last maybe five years has been around like customer 360 and mm-hmm. how to take uh, you know, a person's profile and look at them from social media and, and other places to leverage that for advertising and, and other kind of commercial marketplace type things. There's, a, there's another way to look at you know, other people's backgrounds and, and figure out where are they best placed to, to move a mission forward? Like who's going to be the best at op- operations? Who's going to be best mm-hmm. at strategy? Who can be uh, you know, an analyst who can manage the right kind of people? So it's almost like a, a you know, meta conversation to be had around better using AI to, to manage the workforce. As you start to think about building a team that's going to make the most of AI mm-hmm. and really any innovative technology, you've got to build the right blend of skills. Mm-hmm. So you need to have folks who are very technically adept, who can manage and configure the, the deep technical components, whether that's hardware or software. You need to be able to connect that to the data scientists and the mm-hmm. folks who are implementing the algorithms to leverage that technology. You need to be able to connect that to the mission folks who are understanding, right. okay, how are we going to apply this data science? And the way I think mostly how organizations are, are structured right now is almost siloed where we have a ton of really good mission folks understand that a ton of PhDs and, and analytics folks who can understand the, the very depths of, of um, where the, the models come from and how to implement those we have the technology folks who have their own silos finding the connective tissue between those so folks who can understand both sets or maybe all three sets is kind of, I think where we really see some of the some of the challenges and being able to kind of cross populate or, or manage kind of cross-functional talent, right? The, yeah. the, the, one of the definitions of what data scientist is, it's a, 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 someone who knows more statistics than a software developer and someone who knows more about software than a statistician. Yeah. And I think that's kind of speaks to a little bit, I mean, it's a cute little analogy, yeah. but, it, but it also speaks to where those folks have really had success is in combining those two worlds those of, of statistics, yeah. and those two disciplines, yeah. exactly, in a, in a way that's really impactful. That's great. Uh, and, and final question to, to any of you who want to answer. I mean, what advice can you offer in terms of embedding and integrating AI into your organizations? Um, well, I think the, the first thing you have to understand is your business problem that you're trying to solve. And then you have to have a deep understanding of the AI technology you intend to implement. Um, if you intend to get through results you're seeking. If you don't understand those two, two things, um, every, uh, every problem may not require an artificial intelligence solution, or you may miss an, a true opportunity to uh, implement a solution that will really great, gain you some efficiencies and greater insights. So if you start there, I think you'll be much more successful in your organization of understanding what problem you're trying to solve, and then what technology specifically would be the best solution for that. That's great, great advice. Yeah, absolutely. I would second that. I mean, I would say just get excited. There, there's a ton of incredible things that we could do. Right? You know, if you look at the amount of data that we have and, and the kind of problems we solve, right? yeah. kind of front-end stuff like predictive, predictive maintenance, given the proliferation of sensors and collection of data, but also addressing you know, uptime and availability of, of machines across uh, uh, DODs as well as civilian. You know, if you look at something like on, on the back end, like the contracting and legal processes and mm-hmm. combining all the, the huge amounts of contractual information and, and data and text files to create a, a more efficient and effective 
uh, process. I think there's tremendous opportunity there. You know, we mentioned other things around talent management. There's plenty of other opportunities mm-hmm. around, uh, you know, humanitarian efforts, uh, you know, law enforcement efforts, mm-hmm. or, you know, sort of touched upon today and, and, and you know, everything in between. So it's very, you know, really need to get excited, but also to stay grounded, make sure that there's a balance between those mission outcomes and, and what's really achievable. Make sure that we're picking the right type of uh, technology and the right type of algorithms to really address this problem. And I, I think ties in a little bit to what Jonah was saying around policy and, and making sure that what we're doing is ethically and legally and, and uh, you know, correct and, and stays grounded. We, you know, we want to make sure that we're having growth that's within the bounds of what's acceptable and what's uh, really serves the American people the best. So stay grounded and make sure that you're, uh, you know, addressing this in, in the right way. But also there, there's just tremendous opportunity to continue to grasp. That's great. So I would say that data management um, and the amount of data that is available to organizations is really something that um, no matter the organization is is going to have to deal with in the coming years and are, you know, most organizations are dealing with now. Um, and you know you have so many data sets, so many different types of formats. Um, it's really finding uh, needles in piles of haystacks. <laughs> um, and so uh, you know having the right people in place, um, having the right partners in place, you know those are all essential uh, for an organization like the Secret Service. You know it's we really do need to get people who are. Um, technically proficient to come in and uh, join the agency and to work um, on the mission because, you know, it, it it's no longer an agency where it's just about, you know, a, a gun carrier with a badge mm-hmm. doing the job. You really do need data scientists. You do need um, network managers. You need people who are able to sift through all of this data, again, in a, an ethical and a legal and a effective way. Um, to uh, you know, really do the work now. It's it's no longer an analog uh, job. It is a job that requires um, really sophisticated data data analytics and data management skills. Um, so I think you know as AI continues to provide new insights, you know you really do need to have uh, folks in your organization that can um, make sense of those insights. That's great. Wonderful. Well, Jamie, Jonah, and Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd also like to thank our listeners of this episode of the AI Tipping Point. The AI Tipping Point is a production of Government Executive Media Group Studio 2G in collaboration with NVIDIA, NetApp, and WWT. If you like this episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or govexec.com forward slash podcasts. Thank you for listening to the AI Tipping Point podcast, brought to you by Worldwide Technology, NVIDIA, and NetApp. With so much potential on the horizon for AI, let 2020 be your year to pilot or accelerate deployment. Connect with our experts, access our research, and explore our labs. Join our platform at www.com.